Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Glad you're here. It's a bummer when you're not here. You're like, who are you talking to? I don't know. It's a bummer when you're not here. Make sure you're here. You know, God has called us to be far different than most people think. If you actually were to read your Bible, God will tell you that you're supposed to be a competitive son of a gun. You're supposed to be striving after things. You don't hear, the, the, you don't hear terminology like that in the ark church. You don't hear that in the American church. You certainly don't hear it in the German church. Don't hear it in the Australian church. Don't hear it in the English church. You don't hear it in the Canadian church, and you don't hear it in most churches in America. It's becoming clear now for those that have wondered, who, what, what side would I have fallen on back in the 1930s and 40s? If I lived in Stuttgart back then, or Berlin, what side would I be on? It's becoming clear. It really is. Tom, those are harsh words. I don't care. It's become clear. Matt, people who are masking, turning in other people, complying. Showed this video last night on the podcast of an Australian woman who was in a lockdown camp, a COVID camp in Australia. She looked like she was about 28, 29 years old, somewhere in that realm. Was all excited because she was finally allowed to be let outside for her 30 minutes of freedom. She was so excited. She said she's got, her, she's got her blue band on. That means she's allowed to go outside. She's rejoicing in her freedoms being given back to her, the very ones that were stolen from her. So excited to go outside. They let her outside to run around for a couple minutes like a dog and then let back in barbed wire fences. That's absolute fact. That's happening. There's three of them. Three of them in Australia. This morning I watched videotape of the German police. It's happening today. Walking in the midst of crowds with six foot long sticks to make sure everybody's six feet apart. 22 months into 15 days to flatten the curve. That's why you never give an inch. See, that's the personality that you're supposed to have. You're never moved. You stick, your, you stick your feet in the ground. Not in carnal stubbornness, but in the word of God. I stand on the word of God. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You do not move. Period. Ever. You can never comply your way out of the devil's tyranny. You can never comply your way out of the world's tyranny. The world is the tool boy of the devil. If you're wondering what that verse was, it's Psalm 16, 8. You are not moved. You never give an inch. You see, you're supposed to be. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be dogmatic. You're supposed to be quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword because your Christianity should be the word of God, Hebrews 4.12. That's, what you're, so that's the personality you're supposed to be. Think about what the personality of the, of the Christian has been taught over the last couple decades. Laid back, passive, accommodating, never say a sharp word, not competitive. Oh, you know, we're not competing. What are you, the YMCA? 
We're not competing. Yes, you are. You're just not competing against people. You're competing against the devil. You're competing against the world, and you're competing against your own carnality. If you are not doing those things and waging war against those things, you are currently losing. You never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. That's why you are given warnings in Scripture. Whether it's Hebrews chapter 6, whether it's Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 6, Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14, where you are warned that staying the same and not progressing is dangerous. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, James 1, 22. So if you are merely sitting under the word and never implementing it, you are in jeopardy of deception. It's a dangerous thing to come to church and never be moved and never change. It's dangerous because you are learning. You are building up your leg muscles to kick against the goads. Shouldn't be doing it. Victory, I want to tell you today, should not be taken lightly. It is not an option. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always, 2 Corinthians 2.14, why? Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. Is that what's happening in the German church? Is the savour of his knowledge being made manifest to the German people by the church? Where are they? Ask this question. We talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I stole this from Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I never thought of it before. What about all the other Jews? All the rest of them took a knee. They all bent their knee. Think about where, weren't there Christians in 1930s Germany? Weren't there evangelicals there? You're telling me nowhere in Stuttgart, nowhere in Berlin, nowhere in any of the metropolitan, or metropolitan areas or suburban areas or, or countryside areas, there's no Christians? Nobody, where were they? Where were, the, where were those who stood? Where were they? See, nobody gets taught the fervency that's found in Scripture, the hardcoreness that is found in Scripture. I don't know how you miss it. You know how you miss it? Because you never read the Bible. People don't read the Bible. I was telling the story in the first, in the first church service about Josiah, Hilkiah, and, she and Shepha and the scribe. When they were rebuilding the temple, they found the Bible, and nobody knew what it was. No, but they called it Shephon the scribe. Shephon the scribe. Oh, you guys got up there. Awesome. 2 Kings 20, 22. Shephon the scribe is somebody who, a scribe was what? Somebody who's studying the word. Didn't know what it was. He gets the, now Hilkiah the priest knew what it was. And he hands, uh, Shephon the scribe, he hands him the, the Torah to hand to Josiah the king. And Shephon the scribe describes it as a book. He gave me a book. You had no idea what it was. The person studying the scriptures had no idea what the book was. Does that not sound familiar to you? Nobody knows how to respond. Everybody thinks that being a Christian means you're passive, that you're accommodating. No, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Who told you that? Well, you know, we're Christians, so... In the midst of galactic stupidity in my own family, I don't say anything. Praise Jesus. 
I say it. <laughs> Period. You need to say what needs to be said. You need to do what needs to be done, both in front of people and not in front of people. Period. God will swing open the doors for you to manifest the Spirit for Him. But most people have closed that out because they believe Christianity is passive. They believe Jesus is some sort of tie-dye wearing, well, I guess you have to put it in modern vernacular, tie-dye wearing, skinny jeans wearing, latte sucker who accommodates everything and wouldn't dare preach anything that might work a nerve. It's not Christianity. What Bible are you reading? All of them are just like Shafe and the Scribe. What is this? Oh, what is a book? What is this book? It's a book. You have no idea what's in it. You would never lock down your church if you knew what was in this. You have no idea what's in it. Or worse, you're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Or because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. One of the two, you either have it or you, do, or you rejected it. You would never close your church down. Look at what has happened in this world in 22 months of 15 days to flatten the curve. Now I say this not so you hang your head. I said this in the first service. I, I, I've used this probably 10 times over 16 years. But I watched video one time of orcas, of killer whales. And in the midst of an Arctic hurricane, imagine that, we have our hurricanes here, it's warm. Imagine an Arctic hurricane. Big, giant, floating chunks of ice. Hurricane winds with snow coming down sideways. What do the orcas do? They love it. They play in it. Watch it. Watch the video. Pull it up on YouTube. They're up and they're playing in it. That's how we should be. There's no threat to us. Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh, that's nice to believe. Oh, here you come. Here you come, mixing in the word of God again, right? You're going to mix your wisdom with the word of God. You know what nothing shall by any means hurt you mean? Do you know what that means? Nothing. You just stand. Well, we're going to, you know, we're in Australia right now. In New South Wales, Australia, you can't work. You're not vaxxed. Can't work. It's no longer, here we are 22 months in, right? 22 months into 15 days to flatten the curve. In Australia right now, it is not an exception for the vaccine passport for you to work. Squeezing. What if it, I said this the first time, what if it becomes real? What kind of faith do you have? This ain't been real for us here now. I'm thankful. It hasn't been real for us here. We made our stands. We walk into Home Depot without our masks on. I do it too. We stood and we kept our church open and everybody else closed. We did all those things and that's great. And we did the right thing. We're doing what we should be doing here. We shouldn't be wanting it to get any worse. I'm just telling you, what if it gets real? Charlie Chris is running for governor. Should be Charlie Antichrist. Matter of fact, I'm going to name him that on the podcast for now on. See him standing at his news conference, got four clowns behind him, fully masked, outside, bunch of idiots. You know, you shouldn't call people idiots. Why? 
Do you read this? Do you know, are you basing that on Christianity or are you basing that on your form of love? Which one is it? I want to show me because I want you to show me in scripture that I shouldn't call somebody an idiot. Go ahead. You better know it better than me now. Show it to me. If the, if the church was what it was, is supposed to be, the world would be scared of us. Scared of us. These who have turned the world upside down, Acts 17, 6, that's who you should be. That's how, what I should be. See, victory is not to be taken lightly. It's not optional. Everyone thinks it's antithetical to Christianity to be disappointed and to be angry when you don't win. Should you be? Yes. There you go, boldly proclaim it. Thank you, Natalie. You should be disappointed. This is not the YMCA. This is not your local youth sports league. Oh, nice try, Johnny. No. And by the way, I never was trained that way. And this may sound arrogant to you, but I wouldn't want to be like the kids that are being trained today. When I, when I, was, when I was a kid, you won, you lost. I played on football teams, we didn't win a game. You know what? I felt like garbage. And nobody said I shouldn't. Doesn't mean, listen, you need to delineate between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That's you being irritated with yourself for falling short, not beating yourself up. Oh, I hate myself. I hate, no, that's, now you're just carnal and you're actually worshiping yourself. And you're going, you know what? I have fallen short. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. 2 Corinthians 7.10. That's the kind that when you lose, you lost. I shouldn't have lost. It's on me. You're like, Tom, do you live like, yeah, I do. But when, see, when I go, it's on me. I move on. I don't sit there all day. I'm way too big a fan of myself to feel sorry for myself. <laughs> I like me. You should like you too. I don't want to be anybody else. I never have. Fat thin, whatever. Never wanted to be anybody else. I don't sit there, but I go, when it's on me, it's on me. You can ask anybody who knows me. That was on me. I blew it. That's on me. I don't sit there and go, oh, man, I just, I hate myself. You know? Like when I gorge on chocolate and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, man, why do I do this? I don't curl into a ball, shove my thumb in my mouth, and start crying. Oh, why? No, I know why. Because you're a fat slob. You shouldn't have done it, dummy. That's it. Move on now. I'm not going to do it again. I wish I could say I never did do it again, but I did. But victory is taught in the modern church as optional. It is not. When you lose, there needs to be a detailed diagnosis of why. Well, you know, we found the hidden lessons. That's not in the Bible. We have found the book of the law. Chef on the scribe, we have found a book. That's how most Christians operate. They have no idea what it says in here. So they think you lose, you find hidden meetings. That's not in the Bible. That's heresy. Hidden meetings, mysteries shrouded in mist. 
You know, the mystery of God. No, no, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Mark 4.11. You are not supposed to be operating in mystery. They take one verse out of contract, context out of the book of Acts. It's not for you to know times and seasons which the Father's put in his own authority. And like, that's it. That's my whole life. There's times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Everything else is under your authority. Read the Bible. You've been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. How much is under your earth? Everything. Yes, the power is derived from the Holy Spirit. But you decide whether to enact it or not. It's on you. If you don't, if you don't quell the waves, they won't be quelled. You have to say, peace be still. God's not going to just do it. So what happened with victory? It's, it's, it's treated as optional. You're not supposed to be disappointed when you lose. That's all incorrect. That's all not the Bible. But let's delve deep into inquiry. Why did I lose? Why am I losing? We need to inquire. Matthew 17. Now, it's not antithetical to find out why you're losing. It's not antithetical to the word. It's antithetical to the word if you don't inquire. It's antithetical to the word if you're not mad you lose. Matthew 17, verses 19 through 21. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? You've heard me tell this story. I tell it all the time. The boy that was filled with the demon, the father brings them to the disciples. They can't do a thing about it. Not a thing. Has that happened to me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have I changed my theology because I failed? No. I failed, so it can't be the Bible that's wrong. So they went to the Bible, who is Jesus, because Jesus is the word. Why could we not cast it out? Why has nobody asked that question? Let me ask you this. Why do people not ask questions? They don't want to know the answer. That's why I, don't, I rarely ever go to my wife and say, what do you think of the message? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Rarely. And when I have, I've regretted it. <laughs> I did that recently. I regretted it. I don't want to know because she's in there. This was right. This was wrong. You could have done this. You could have done that. And I'm on the other end going. Don't ask. You don't want to know. Don't ask. She knew recently. She irritated me, but she came back and said, I know I'm not the person you really want to talk to most. I said, you know what? It's not true. I asked. It's my fault. If I didn't want to know what you thought, I shouldn't have asked. I shouldn't have asked. And she gets the same thing from me. She doesn't ask me either. In our house, if you want to know, we're going to tell you. Do I, look, does this, do I look fat in this? Yeah, you look really fat. You don't look just marginally fat. You look mega fat. <laughs> well, I was talking about this shirt. I said, well, it's too casual. She goes, what do you mean? I said, it looks like I should be wearing this shirt with cargo pants. <laughs> it's got on like two pockets. Don't ask. Hope, but hope doesn't care. See, hope, doesn't, hope, hope and Heather are soulless. They have no feelings, so it doesn't matter. You say whatever you want. I don't, they don't, probably don't even relate to that song, but as well with my soul, they're going, what's the soul? 
It is well. I'm always well. Nothing affects it. I have fun preaching. I hope hope Heather just stood there during the whole song. Soul? I'm good. I'm always good. Nothing affects me. I'm good. Wind and waves. I don't care. (laughs) True. (laughs) So they failed to cast out the demon out of the boy. Failed to, right? They failed. So let's look. So they go to, they do the smart thing. They go to Jesus privately and they ask, why could we not cast it out? There is not hardly, if you don't attend Foundation Church, maybe the River Church or Revival today up in, up in Pittsburgh, you will not be able, people will not be able to take Jesus' own response. Christians could not handle Jesus. Why could we not cast it out? They'd be like, you need to tell me, well, your heart was in the right place and you tried and you know what? You know, I just really appreciate all the effort. And you know, it doesn't matter the outcome. It matters the heart during the effort. (laughs) That's not the response of Jesus. Why could we not cast it out, Jesus said to them? Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you have faith as a mustard seed, You will say to this mountain, move here or move there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Not that it might move. So if it doesn't move, something's wrong. And it's okay to inquire about it. It is not okay to leave it wrong. It is not okay to not inquire about it. You need to find out what's wrong. It is your un- Belief. See, I'm going to tell you something. What the devil wants and what the world wants is an innocuous church. I want you to think out of Mark chapter 4, 37 through 41. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Boy, they're standing in faith. (laughs) These are his direct disciples who have already witnessed miracles. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Most Christians could never sit under the ministry of Jesus. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Those are his disciples. The devil never wants you to understand that you can quell the sea. Because you are freaking dangerous when you get to that level but you're gonna have to walk there you're gonna have to talk there you're gonna have to work there you're gonna have to study there you're gonna have to do pray there you're gonna have to speak in tongues there you're gonna have to train to be there 
You're going to have to, it, it comes right out of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, striving after a prize. All run in the race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I do not run like a man running, running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. You got to go through the process. Will you go? Will you go? Because you'll be dangerous then when you get to that place. When you don't go to Jesus in the back of the boat, it's you know, let Jesus sleep. Peace. Be still. Why could we not cast it out? Because of your unbelief. Very simple. You're supposed to move a mountain, and you failed. Now this was after. We'll switch over to Mark. Same story, different gospel. Mark 9, 23 and 24. Jesus said to him, speaking to the father of the, of the demon-possessed boy. Now remember, this is all with the apostles watching. Remember, there was a big crowd. Jesus approached the crowd, full of apostles, full of Pharisees and Sadducees. Not one person, not, not one person could do a daggum thing about it. So Jesus says to the Father, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? So they all see that. They all hear that. Jesus' response. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they witnessed all that and still went to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? They already knew why. Because of your unbelief. Nobody wants to deal with it. See, I just eat it like a horse pill. Why isn't this right? My unbelief. Ask me. Go ahead, ask me. Why, why didn't that work out for you, Tom? Because of my unbelief. Because I know that I'm always caused to triumph. If I didn't triumph, there's no hidden meaning. It's because of my unbelief. Life is easy. As long as you're willing to swallow the truth. And life is good and abundant if you'll do that also. But you've got to swallow it. Will you draw near to God so that he can draw near to you, James 4, 8? Or will you run from God? Where's the Australian church? They're running. They're not running in such a way to obtain a prize. When they got up to the blocks, they turned around and went the other way. The race is this way. They ran that way. Cowards. You stand in the word of God. So the, did, the, did the apostles learn? Let's look, Matthew, Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. His disciples, I repeat, his disciples are sitting at the table. Minus one. Sitting at the table... And Jesus comes up and rebukes their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. People were coming up. We saw Jesus. He did that for 40 days. It's not a one-day Easter resurrection. That's, that's religion. It was 40 days appearing to people alive and other people raised, coming up from the dead also. 
And they refused to believe it. After he told them he was going to do it, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Will you deal with that? So that you can become somebody who quells the waves. You got to walk through it, though. You got to swallow it. Most people aren't willing to do it. And if they do, they're a big pouty pants about it, so you're not really swallowing nothing. If you're pouting, all, every, sit, every single bit of gain that you are trying to get is lost. Well, I'm going through a trial right now. If, you're not, if the joy of the Lord is not your strength, forget it. Don't go through the trial. Just don't do it. If you're going to mully grub your way through fasting, never fast. People shouldn't know you're fasting by your facial expressions or you've already received your reward. Your reward is what? People, oh, I feel so sorry for you like the Pharisees and Sadducees. They've received their reward. Don't bother with it. If you're going to be downtrodden, well, I'm trying to press toward God. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, I'm depressed. Yes, I'm defeated. Then you're not pressing. You're not pressing. You've already lost. Stop. Just go be the average Christian and don't take away from the gospel. Go hide yourself. And stop acting like you're spiritually progressing because you're not. If you're moody, you're not spiritually progressing. If you're a pouty pants, you're not spiritually progressing. You're not taking up your cross. People who cry and moan are not taking up their cross. You're taking up your cross when you deny yourself. So you don't get to act pouty. But people want the reward from people. Oh, they're really trying. You've received, that's your full reward, is their words. No power, no influence, no ministry. You just received it. Done. That's it. Who are we competing against? Who are we warring against? Now, we know it's not people. I told you a minute ago. It's the enemy. It's the tools of the enemy, which is the world. And the one we're going to talk about the most is your own carnal nature. Most people will never get to war against the enemy in their life. Look at me. Most Christians, most Christians will never war against the enemy because they'll never get to the battlefield, all the while believing they're in the middle of the battle because they'll never take on their carnality. You can't get to the enemy without getting past your carnality. Not going to happen. I'll show you in a minute. How, do, how does temptation work? Give you an example. The devil's really been tempting me lately. Is that possible? Not according to the Bible. Never let the Bible get in the way of what you believe. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The devil's, no, the devil can't tempt you unless you already have inborn evil desire. It's the only way. There's no way. That's the reason why Jesus could not fall to temptation. It was impossible. Because he had no evil on the inside of him. He had no evil desire. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. That's the verse proceeding. Blessed are you when you endure temptation, is the verse before that, James 1.12. But you'll never be tempted without your own innate evil. It's impossible. Never be tempted. 
You can live a temptation-free life. But you see how it works? You don't even get to battle the enemy because you've got to deal with your own carnality first. We know we're not battling people. We get that out of 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having, listen to this, does this sound like a passive faith? And having it a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Ain't nobody preached that but me. Listen, I'll tell you flat out, I'll tell you the flat out truth. I'm not letting what's happened in the last 22 months lie. If it's up to me, every single one of these liars, vaccine whores, killing people, will be brought to a Nuremberg style justice. You're Joe Biden and you're cutting off monoclonal therapies because that doesn't go along with your vaccine orthodoxy. You need to answer for killing people. No ivermectin because that doesn't go along with your vaccine remdesivir, Anthony Fauci, death jab. You know what? You need to be answering for the deaths that you caused criminally and civilly. Right now, unless you go the Fauci way, which is you report to the ER, you say, I've got a little congestion. Well, you come back when you're really sick, we'll pump you full of organ, co- organ collapsing remdesivir, organ failure remdesivir, pump you full of that, and you'll be dead inside a week or a month. You'll be finished, but at least you followed the orthodoxy. You see what's happening in Australia. This was right out of Queensland last night. Five million people live in Queensland, Australia. They have 19,000 COVID cases out of, uh, remember now, it's like 19,000 new cases out of 5.1 million people. How many people died? Six, all of which fully vaccinated. None of what they're doing makes any sense. And if someone were just to stand, somebody with a platform there are mega churches in Australia. Stand there, get on your pulpit, and read the stats. You don't have to be a yeller and a screamer like me. You can do it monotone. Read the truth. Get up there and read the truth. All six are vac- fully vaccinated. Need to watch how they do their stats too globally. You don't qualify as fully vaccinated unless you're double jabbed. So people in ERs that are calling unvaccinated, both in the United States and globally, are people with a singular jab. We need to be asking the question now, are people getting sick because they're vaccinated? Do you have an immune system left? Omicron's nothing. Omicron's nothing. People have gotten it all over this community. <laughs> oh, you're done. People who are jabbed are in the hospital with it. They have an immune system left? Have we spread a new HIV? Have we? Antibody dependent enhancement syndrome? Have we given that to billions of people? 
First, first jab takes away a certain percentage of your immune system. Second jab takes away more. And what I've heard, the booster will kill you. You don't even qualify. You're only one jab away from being me. You don't, Israel right now, you qualify if you're double jabbed and you have the booster. A month from now, you'll have to have four. You're on a path of 900 injections. It's not an exaggeration. If you are 12 years old under the Anthony Fauci vaccine orthodoxy, you will receive 900 COVID shots in your lifetime. They never stop. You think it's going to stop? No. It's never going to stop. They're stockpiling vaccines in every country right now by the billions. You think they plan on stopping? No, because it's a measure of control. It causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. The vaccines were always about the vaccine passports, not the vaccine passports being about the vaccines. People don't think I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching way more of the gospel, preaching what people consider to be politics than your love message. And I have in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when my obedience is fulfilled, which it is. They need to answer for killing people. Number one cause of death in the world, 41.2 million babies were aborted in 2021. And they want to talk about COVID? COVID? Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, I said we're not competing against the world. I mean, we're not competing against people. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a competition against people. So relax. All of you people out there probably think, oh, he's preaching that we compete against one another. When we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves, I never said that. I don't care what any person does. I care about the evil that is working through the person. Or the, or the purveyor of the evil itself, which is the enemy. Or I care about my own carnality. Those are the things that I'm competing and warring against. And you have to engage that way. If you don't have that mindset, you do not have a biblical mindset, which means you do not have a Jesus mindset because Jesus is the word. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There it is, done. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I mean, how, how stubborn is that? A stick in the mud to the world, but Christians think you're supposed to go with the flow. You're supposed to be the dam in the river, not the dead fish floating down it. You stand. Listen, I mean, look, look at what this says. Stand, therefore. Stand. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto. 
with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You stand there. You stand. Standing is a violent action. I stand against what you're doing. Think about how the church is, uh, has actually operated in the exact opposite. You're supposed to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand for. Stand therefore. And what do they do instead? Cooperated. So I have a list. You know I love lists. So I extracted that from, those, from all those verses. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Quickly, here's the list. Here's what we're competing against. And hint, this is not all we're competing against, but out of these verses. Strongholds. High things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Thoughts need to be made captive. Think about how violent this is. You take your thought, thoughts captive. No, no, you don't just take them captive. You torture them. You make them obedient to Christ. Make them obedient to Christ. Not negotiate. Make them obedient to Christ. It's violent. You are waterboarding your thoughts. Are you changed yet? Are you changed yet? Are you changed yet? Violent. That's what you do. We're against the wiles of the devil. We're against disobedience, against principalities, against powers. These are the things we're warring and competing against that we must win against, not make peace with. The rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places, the fiery darts of the wicked. Christians cave because when they're attacked because they have no knowledge. They don't know they're supposed to be violent. You're supposed to be fear. Where did you get that from, Tom? And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew eleven twelve. That's just Jesus talking. Never let Jesus get in the way of your Jesus. They get destroyed for lack of knowledge. They get destroyed because they don't know a battle's coming. They're like 1930s Texas that had no idea that a Cat 4 was off the coast. Back in the day, we had no weather warnings. You're out there and everybody's got their straw homes and their, their wood homes on the coast, built at sea level, on the beach, and having no idea what's coming. That's how Christians are. Because they have absolutely, they're not prepared. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. They don't have it. Here comes COVID. Oh, let, well, you know what? I couldn't boot lick any faster. I couldn't bend over any quicker. That, their competition was who could bend over faster? We're more loving than you because we actually grabbed our ankles quicker than you did. <laughs> See, there are peaceful people. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There are peaceful people, though, because they believe that's the gospel. That's not the gospel. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth, and then all they do is preach peace. Well, we're at peace with the Chamber of Commerce because we're all part of the faith community, and we all meet together every month and strip off our shoes and lick each other's boots. You know, that's what we do. 
You're not supposed to be a peaceful people. Do you not suppose that I've come to bring peace on earth? I did not come to bring peace but a sword. You know, Tom, are you talking about physical violence? Absolutely not. We are to war in the heavenlies. We're taking down the prince of the power of the air. You have to get to the place where the world and the devil has no impact on you. But they get destroyed because they think niceness wins them favor. Ask every single person. In Stalin's realm, if we're able to connect with people in hell when we're in heaven, I'm going to interview people like that. Tell me how it all went bad. When was the day that you found out Uncle Joe wasn't so nice? Because you supported him? You went and enforced his laws for the greater good? You kept complying, believing that it was going to buy you favor? And then lo and behold, you were sitting at your desk one day, and the next thing you saw that passed before your eyes was a bullet coming out of your own forehead. Because Joseph Stalin killed 60 million people. They talk about Hitler? <laughs> That's the ones they know about. They're all, they're, all, they're, they're all up in northern Russia right now, buried in the snow, in the ice. Uh, the people, but the church believes, you know, we're going to comply. And all of these tyrannists that hate God are going to love us. I just wonder, Australia, you don't see it? American church, you don't see it? There is only one reason why we're not Australia, and it's called the Second Amendment. Amen. Oh, Tom, you're just a patriot. You're not a real pastor. Bull crap. I'm just somebody, here's the thing. I'm just somebody who has knowledge. I like the Second Amendment. I have no problem with the Second Amendment. Right now in the state of Washington, under the governance of Jay Inslee, they are opening COVID camps. Make no mistake, that's not right-wing conspiracy. It's on the mainstream media because they're all proud. But what you need to understand about the state of Washington is this. It's only liberal in Olympia in Seattle where they falsify elections continually and turn their state blue. Same thing happened in Atlanta. Same thing happened in Philadelphia. Same thing happened in, in, in Milwaukee. Same thing that happened in Minneapolis, St. Paul. All these states are all red. How many of you, do you really think they want men with their daughter in the restrooms but somehow it gets legislated in Pennsylvania out of Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, that's my dream. I just love for a perv to be in the bathroom with my daughter. There's only one reason why we're not Australia. It's because they're scared. And in uh, and, and Washington, when they try, I want, I'm going to watch it. We'll be ready on the podcast to put it out there for everybody. When they go, and you see some cops GoPro, some COVID-caving coward cop, who's enforcing not unconstitutional laws, goes up to somebody's door, hey, we're here to take your kid away because they came within 10 feet of somebody who's infected with COVID. So they need to go to the quarantine camp for 14 days. I wonder how that's going to work out in the red areas. I can flat out tell you, that's my hill. It's my hill. 
when the brown shirts come to my door to drag me off to a COVID camp or, or pin me down on a stretcher and inject me with their poison, that's my hill. It will not go well for them. You better be a better than average shot because I am. Lots of training. You're like, Tom, you're supposed to, uh, you know, give, that's not, that's not martyrdom. That's warfare. That's actual like World War II. It's not martyrdom, folks. Martyrdom is Daniel in the lion's den. Christians in the Roman Colosseum. That's martyrdom. That's very different than people waging war against you in a non-spiritual way. Because the last thing that they'll see is a spinning object coming towards their skull. See, the church thought, you know what? We're friends with the world. We're out there doing our community car washes. Serving the community. We bring donuts to the school board. Well, that's interesting. Interesting concept there. Tom, why didn't you ever do that? Because I'm not a bootlicking idiot. Well, yeah, we brought, we brought our muffin tops to the school today for all the teachers. You mean all the teachers that are pro-choice? 90% of the school board is completely pro-choice and hate you, but yet there you are bringing them Dunkin' Donuts, you clown. Community car wash. Yeah, they're bent over again. Washing, washing. There you are, bent over again. Couldn't bend over any faster. You're not here to serve the community. You're called to be a light, a light on a hill, a city on a hill. That's what you're supposed to serve. You don't serve the lost. Their wealth is stored up for you. You don't serve the lost. You don't serve the devil. The world is the tool boys of the devil. You don't go out and wash their cars to win them. Show me that. Again, chef and the scribe. Show me that in the Bible. Serve the world. Where? Good. We serve each other. How does it go? Be not deceived. God is not mock. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap, reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. Doesn't mean we don't help people. I certainly am not going to bootlick people that are lost. I don't bootlick the saved either. If I'm going to bootlick anybody, I'll bootlick Yahweh. That's it. He wants me to lick, Jesus wants to strap on cowboy boots, rattlesnake, whatever, saddleback, rattle, whatever, boots, I'll lick them for Jesus. That's it, though. He's the only one I worship. They thought the world was their friends because they washed their cars for them and begged them to come to church. I preach the word, however it works, it works. God opens up the doors, I speak the truth. I'm talking to a gay man and he's asking me, what do you think of my life? I'm telling you, you're living in sin. Well, that, you're trying to win them. That is winning them. I'm, I'm doing exactly what Jesus would have done. Oh, wow, 12.53. I'm not gotten to the best part yet. Am I close? Yeah. Daggum, I'm a long way from where I wanted to get. 
<laughs> well, we're here for another 20 minutes or so. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, I was sharing this with hope between services. Most Christians never get to this place. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Most people never get to a fiery trial. They never get to that place. Because they've never engaged, they don't even understand the concept of spiritual warfare. They never get to that place. Who are we warring against? Again, let me reiterate this to you. We're warring against the enemy, his system, and his vessels, which is the world and our own carnality. Now let me say this. Most people will never impact spiritual warfare. Now I'm not going to I'm going to say this to make a point. I am not prophesying this over you and I'm not speaking this to you. I'm saying this simply to make a point. If you don't change, most people in this room will have zero impact on spiritual warfare. If you don't change, because you're so thoroughly distracted. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, which hooks right into Luke chapter 8, verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. What we, what we are talking about here is sanctification. We've all made a decision to stand. You are part of the few. You are an elite force. But will that, will that elite force engage in spiritual warfare? You can train all you want to be a SEAL, but will you actually go and engage the enemy? That's the question that we have to ask. Most people will never impact spiritual warfare because they're way too busy. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Tom, I have to, that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Here's the thing. Oh, Tom, I have to take care of my family. I have to work. But what do you do with the rest of your time? Yeah. Be honest with yourself. Don't lie. Don't lie. Are you in strict spiritual training? Well, Tom, you know, I've got to give some love and affection to my kids if you were to sell out and you got alone with god every day and you prayed and you sought god for hours every day or at least an hour a day the spillover effect of your parenting the spillover effect from the holy spirit on your parenting would make you the greatest parent and spouse on the planet and instead you try to do it yourself and really you're not even trying to be a great parent or a great uh, spouse you're just you're so carnal you don't want to pray you don't pray because you don't want to pray. Not because you don't have time. You don't study the word because you don't have time. You don't study the word because you don't want to. I don't fast. because I'm on a fast right now. But I don't fast because I don't want to. Not because I can't. Those are the facts. Facts. That's them right there. But most people will never impact the spiritual war. Because they've never engaged the enemy that keeps them from the battle. They've never engaged the enemy that keeps them from the battle. Now you've got the enemy, the devil, but there's an enemy that keeps you from engaging him. Let's look at that guy. Romans 7, 21 to 24. I find then a law that evil is present with me. This is the greatest soul winner 
in the history of the planet. Right here. The one who dwells, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at this verse again. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. A repentant mind, a changed mind. And there's a, his members are warring against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10.5, both of those, different versions, NIV and King James. There's a war on the inside of you that will keep you from the war. But you have to win it. Most people never even engage the first war. They accommodate it. There's a big, stinking, smelling, feces-covered elephant in your life that you refuse to engage, and it's called your carnality. Instead, you make excuses about it, calling it your heritage, calling it bipolar, calling it depression. How do you engage your flesh? How? Aggressively aggressively you go after it it's warfare do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind the verse before that i urge you brethren in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice that's aggressive i lay my life down but none of these things move me nor do i count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, the grace of God. That's Paul on a prison ship. But none of these things move me. Do you live like that? Acts 20, 24, do you live like that? What if it gets real? What if it gets real? You can't work anymore. All of your value in your life is, you know, your work and your provision. What if you have to depend on the manna falling from the sky? You got it? You better start working because you're going to have to defeat your carnality to get to that place. And it's works. Oh, you can't talk about works. Do you ever read the second chapter of James? People, Christians who think you don't work? Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10, you don't work, you don't eat. You think you're not supposed to work? What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? What good is it? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one, of you, if one of you says to them, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. It's demonic faith to have a faith with no works. Where would you get that from, Thomas? James chapter 2, 14 through 19. You believe you just sit at home and come what may? You need to come into a place of discovery of who you are. Who you are would scare you. If you could see a reflection in, the, in a mirror that's God's mirror, your own reflection would scare you. What is that? Because every spiritual blessing has been given to you. You're just, you've got it. You're buffering. You're buffering. Standing still. 
Believe me, I know what it's like. I've wasted decades of my life. Told you, I'm a truth teller. I don't sit there and I don't, I don't spout the truth to you and live in my own lies. You engage your flesh aggressively. Look at some of the words and some of the verses. Casting down. Taking every thought captive. Guarding your heart. Let's look at those verses. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. What do you let in? Matthew 6.23. But if your eye is bad. Now that doesn't mean just what you looked at. That's very simplistic and very surface level. It's not just what you look at, it's the ideologies that you have. How do you view life? Is it through a scriptural lens or through the lens of biochemistry synapses firing in your brain, which are feelings, which again are no different than gas. Most people run their lives by gas. I feel this way, I feel that way. If I feel like I should say it, I do. If I don't feel like I say it, I don't. Whatever it is, they run their life by gas. Should I tithe? If you get, let me, let's just throw this down. If you have money that you just received, somebody gave me $900 sitting on my desk. I know it is, very close friend of mine, okay? And what do I do? There's no, there's no, there's no thought. More than 10% of that, it's not mine. That, that belongs to God. There's no, and see, I'm not like a lot of you. I don't say, they go, well, you know, I could give that to a friend of mine who needs it for this. No! Amen. Don't stop. You, you should worship yourself. Oh, my friend needs his bills paid, or you know what, I could, I, could, I could really help. That's not what you do. That's God's. It's God's money. How dare you rob God for your own selfish righteousness, which is stinking, smelly rags? Well, we went, you know, we took our tithe money and went and bought a friend a car so they could feed their family. Stinks. Smells. It's rotten. It's your own selfish self-centered self-righteousness it goes to god period well i gave my money before and the preacher was corrupt the ought to take care of the preacher it's not your business yeah i'll take care of the preacher but if your eye is bad what you believe is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if therefore the light that is in you is darkness How great is that darkness? Here's where I'll finish. Good, I got 10 minutes. Perfect. This is where I wanted to get. Get out your tent poles as we're going to camp right here for 10 minutes. This might be, get ready. Got to lube the tubes. One of the most difficult pieces of a sermon you've ever heard in your life. Right now. Everything else that I said prior to this was soft. (laughs) Heavy duty, uh, 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 offense alert. And just so you know, this applies to me as much as it applies to anybody. I'll preach it anyway. Some people never stop. They never stop. I'm talking about Christians. 
What are you talking about, Tom? Well, you see, you judge those inside the church, 1 Corinthians 5, 3. You're not supposed to judge. That's a lie. Judge with righteous judgment, John 7, 24. Some people never stop. Here's the list. They never stop with the fear. It won't stop. They keep spouting fear. They never stop speaking negatively for temporal relief. Caught myself doing it this week. Caught somebody in a lie, nobody here in the church. And I kept talking about it because it bothered me. It bothered me for, for a specific reason that I don't have time to get into. Otherwise, I'd tell you. Someday I will tell you. It bothered me for specific reasons, but I kept talking about it because there's actually a fear behind it, so I kept talking to Hope about it because it brought me temporal relief. A spouting fear. It was just false evidence appearing real. Fear is faith in the devil. They never stop. Maybe I should frame it this way. You and I never stop. They can never not ask out of curiosity. I had to ask. I was just curious. You never stop, do you? You're not taking it to your carnality, are you? You can never not share that piece of information that you have. You can't do it. See, it's real. People, this is real Christianity. Not fish-covered Bibles. In Christian conferences and concerts. This is Christianity right here. Will you ever change? It's a different kind of church, isn't it? Will you ever change or will you continue to justify it and never grow as your kids watch, for those of you that's applicable to? Christianity is great. Christianity is great. But mom, you're defeated all the time. Christianity is great. Christianity is great. They never stop being self-consumed. Everything is about them. Every, every, have you ever, ever been talking to somebody and every single story goes back to them, back to them, back to them. They can't stop. They never stop talking about themselves. Tom, you're talking a whole lot about talking. Well, let's look at that. James chapter 3, verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Here's the problem, though. Matthew 12, 37. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words be, you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. But you won't stop. You won't stop. You have to. You'll never, listen, folks. First of all, some of you, it's a heaven and hell issue. Look at me. It's a heaven and hell issue. If you're a gossip, you're going to die and go straight to hell for it. You ever read, you ever read Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. You ever read them? You ever, have you ever read 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 9? Think you're going to heaven gossiping? Slandering people? I don't care what your motives are. You know, I'm just really trying to progress in ministry right now. I just hate the pastor, though. It's over for you. And you've been, look at me now, but you've been doing it forever. You float from church to church, one thing offends you, you're gone? Probably preaching in the choir right there, because if, if that was the case with you, you'd all be long gone. <laughs> Ain't nothing but offense coming from this pulpit. First Samuel 16, 7. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at your words. And you never stop. You never stop saying those things. If you, this building process that we've been going through, it started back, when did it start, babe? Do you remember when we started with the building? June, probably more earlier than that. Yeah, March, back in the spring. Been going on since then. There's been lots, look at me now, lots of ups and downs. What's my natural inclination that I never stopped until now? This may bother you that I'm not more, further along. I don't care if it bothers you or not. Who are you? Do you have a plank sticking out of your eye while you're looking at me right now? <laughs> it started back then. And there was lots of up and downs. And there were so many times I wanted to do what I've always done, which is why we stayed the exact same size for 15 years. Well, that's it. It's over. And then hope recesses me, resuscitates me. All right, I'm back. It's not over. Come on. What what am I, three? I wish I could say I stopped it before I turned 53. I guess I did stop before I turned 53. I wish I could say before 52. As I've made a point during this entire process to just go, you know, we're just going to keep plugging away. And on the inside of me, I so wanted to pout. <laughs> Forget it. It's over. Aaron's seen me do it a bunch of times. It's a shame when somebody 28 is more mature than you are. <laughs> it's kind of repulsive, actually. So I'm asking you, are you ever going to stop? I knew I had to stop. I had to stop. That's real Christianity. Not somebody telling you that you're okay not stopping and calling it grace and love. It's not grace and love at all. It's enabling. I got more on the list here. Three minutes to go. They never stop the drama. Is that you, drama queen? Drama king? I've seen more men that are drama kings than I have drama queens. As we're raising an entire culture of male beta males. They never stop wanting credit. Do you seek people seeing you do good things? You need to move into the anonymous. That's real Christianity. Do it anonymously. Anonymous, so nobody knows it was you. Nobody knows. Do that. I know there's times where that doesn't fit. I understand that. We can't mail checks anonymously from Foundation Church to the river. Sometimes that fits, sometimes it doesn't. But if you want it, ask God. And then your only reward will be from the Holy Spirit. You willing to go that route? That's real Christianity. Fake Christianity is, just wanted to share this with you because I wanted to bless you. Thank you. Now I've received my reward. 
Will you ever stop? I've talked about that with worship team people I've known throughout my entire life. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Who cares? Why is it that you, if you're up there serving Jesus, why does it matter if anybody ever hears you? God will take care of that. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. But you won't stop trying to do it yourself. Pining and grasping for church positions. Good luck here with that. I can't stand you. You, it will never work here. And Hope and Heather are worse. You're going nowhere. You can connive. You can manipulate. You can try to give money. It won't work. I am way too scared of God to operate outside of the realm of the Spirit. I'm not an ark church pastor who's building my church on carnality that will fall when the waves come. They never stop wanting to be noticed. Is that you? Why don't you just exist in allowing God to see you and not worry about anything else ever? Oh, Tom, that's big talk. You know, you're, you're palling around with Rodney Howard Brown. You're out flying on private jets with him. You're meeting up with Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I didn't do any of that. You know, I've never, I, I've never fully told you this story. We're going to stay a little longer. Is that good? Yeah. I'll tell you this. I'm heading towards the end. This is my last page right here. I've got, I've got 40 pages because I'm always way over prepared. But <laughs> this is the last one I'm going to read. Do you know how that happened? I know that you think you know, but I'm going to tell you how it happened really. First of all, all my years, I've already told you, accomplished basically not much. I put the video out in the parking lot, just out of anger about them arresting Rodney Howard Brown. Didn't know him, had no interest in his ministry. Matter of fact, I didn't even like the River Church. Never go there because those people laugh, and I liked being miserable. <laughs> the joy of the Lord was not my strength. So I would just stay away from all the laughter so that I could stay pouting and depressed. So anyway, so I made, I made the video. No, there was no intention. If you know me, if you talk to Heather, if you talk to Travis, do it without me knowing. You can ask him, would he have any intentions of trying to get in good with Rodney Howard? No, I don't even know. I didn't even like him. No intent whatsoever. Just, I, can't, I know that everybody that goes to that church is saved. and They preach the gospel there. But I was like, I have no interest in that church. Went out and made the video, right? There was 27 people watching. I think we got to 40 that day. 40 people watching. My usual round was 20 to 30. For years. So about 40 people watched. Did the video. Felt better. This was just a big temper tantrum. Drove home, that was it. Well, later that night, as you know, and this is the part I haven't really told you before because I never thought about it until now. God gave me this revelation when I was in Pittsburgh. 
And I was sitting on the couch and I was scrolling th through my iPad. And all of a sudden I see the video of me talking in the truck. I'm like, how could that be? Oh, it must be, I said, well, it must be, on, it wasn't on our Facebook page and it was clicked live. Now understand something. That's impossible that that happened. Rodney Howard, this was on Rodney Howard Brown's media, which I had never clicked on in my life. You know how it works. You know how your phone works. It goes to where your interests are. I never clipped on that in my life. Never clicked on RHB in my life. And suddenly, his media appears. Now, later that night, about four hours later, it happened again on Jonathan Shuttlesworth's media, who I'd never even heard of, <laughs> suddenly appears on my screen. It's impossible. Your computer, your phone, your iPad are basically TiVos. They go off your interests. I had never clicked on any of their media before. My, yeah, but it was your video. It was on their media, though. It wouldn't default to my settings. It was impossible that that would happen. That's the realm that you've got to get into, but you're going to have to stop. You already know what it is. You already know. That's where I'm finishing right here. The Holy Spirit is telling you. This is out of the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 51. Worship team, make your way. Finish right here. You guys are so blessed in the second service. We can just go on and on and on. Things are moving along as we have a little bit of commotion. Things are moving along rapidly with the building. And I know some of you think that I am coy. I am a giant blabbermouth. If I could tell you, I'd be puking it on you. I sign that I wouldn't talk about it. Believe me, I want to tell you all about it. And as soon as I can, which is coming quickly, I'm going to tell you everything. But this church will have to step up in a way that we have never stepped up before. As we are creating a southern outpost of freedom. Right here in Sarasota and Charlotte County, Florida. The Spirit is telling you, Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Israel resists the Holy Spirit. Stephen speaking right before they stoned him. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. What is it? Will you finally come to the place of yielding? Real Christianity. The thing that you've been accommodating and justifying. Will you finally say, Lord, I lay it down. Or will you respond to my correction this way? Acts 7:54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. You already know what it is. You already know. Acts chapter 9, verse 5. And he said, Paul said, who are actually Saul at the time? 
Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. You've been living with it all these years. God's telling you to stop. You're afraid of your kids. You won't say what needs to be said to your teenager because you're scared. You're kicking against the goads and justifying it. Whatever it may be, lay it down and win the battle over your own carnality and God will bring you to step two. And then God will take you conquer that. Just do it. Do what he tells you to do. Whatever it is, do what he tells you to do or not do now and stop kicking against the goads. Or listen, you will never get to the real war because you are not a fit soldier. Don't be like me and waste all of your 40s and waste all of your 30s and waste all of your 20s. I thank God I know Genesis 6.3. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, but his day, yet his days shall be 120 years. I'm glad that I'm not even middle-aged yet. That's a fact, by the way. That's really what I believe. Some of you are going to be a start. You're going to be, you're going to be absolutely startled. You're going to be like 25 years from now, seeing me preach somewhere, like, he looks the same. That's right. I'm on a different age process than you are. I don't go by the, MI, the AMA. I go by the B-I-B-L-E. That's it. That's where I stand. They just celebrated a birthday in another country. 114 years old. The oldest living member of the D-Day invasion right now is over 100. And we, what's the average age of death in America? 77 set forth by people who hate people. They want you to die young. You don't think all the therapies they're holding back from the public are available to them? Yeah. It's time, listen, it's time right now. I just confront you, we're closing. What is it? Come on, what is it? Will you start? Will you stop now? That's Christianity. If you don't, you're just fake. You're just a religious person, you're fake. Go get some rosary beads and just go off the cliff. Now is the day of salvation. Last verse of the day, 2 Corinthians 6.2. Now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them, and I give you my life from this day on, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, 
please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.